This is the Wealth and Law Podcast, a podcast about the intersection of personal wealth and the legal landscape. We'll take a deep dive into relevant topics. We'll basically teach you what we know, and we'll engage with guests with deep expertise in their field. We hope that you'll enjoy this episode and many more episodes. So please join us on this journey as we try to bring you relevant information that is both timely and important for you to know in order to engage in this area of the world. Welcome to the Wealth and Law podcast. It, you know what? It turned out it's 2024 and artificial intelligence didn't just go away like NFTs. And so because that's the case, we have to talk to Ashley Francis again. Ashley, thanks for coming. Absolutely. In fact, uh, AI is still around. It's not like NFTs. And um, the expansion of its capabilities and use cases is almost alarming, but it's definitely overwhelming if you're trying to keep up with every new advancement and understand everything that's happening. It's wild. It's a wild ride right now. It is a wild ride. And it's so fun for me personally to hear the lawyers talking about it because they are, you know, obviously it's a a big topic, so it's coming up a lot. And the lawyers are always talking about it like this, which I know drives you crazy. AI is coming, people, and it's gonna it's gonna change things, and it's gonna be it's gonna make the way that you run your practices different in the future. It's like, uh, no, 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 no. AI is here. It is not coming. It is already here. <laughs> it will it, it will be a different form perhaps in the future, but it's not like something that will happen in the future. It's happening in the present right now. Absolutely. I think the funniest thing, too, is that when folks are um, looking at AI as the future thing, like it's going to be coming. What they're looking for is an AI product that specifically sits in their space and just runs around and does a little robot thing. And they're missing all of the functionality inherent in AI right now that they could be leveraging and as always big caveats especially for attorneys or cpas like myself or financial planners is that data privacy is not only very important it's mandated and we have oversight bodies that are very concerned about what we're putting into the model so as always anonymize anonymize, anonymize, but you can get quite a bit of just functionality and efficiency and use cases out of AI right in this moment. And it's, it's so funny that folks are, they're, well, they're either like AI is coming or AI can't do my job. And, um, you know, I have I have thoughts on both of those things. Well, let's talk. Well, let's take it in turn then. Let's talk about AI is coming and then we'll talk about AI can do your job. Yeah. So AI is coming is interesting. Like you said, AI is here. And the way that I've had to shift teaching it because I've you know gone all over the country uh, teaching tax professionals about AI Um, generative AI is that uh, when you start 
prompting, which is the way you, that you talk to the Gen AI. I don't know how many people know that now. It's It's been out for over a year. I feel like everyone knows everything, but um, there's folks who haven't haven't heard these terms. So prompting is just basically having a conversation like we're having yeah. right now. And, and actually, can, sorry, can we can we pause just one? I'm, I'm going to come right back to that, but let's, yes. let's pause because I just want to make sure that everybody has just a, a slight bit of context here. Okay, so when we're saying AI, what we really mean is generative AI meet that can have this right. kind of correspondence Correct. with you through these prompts. Okay, so just so people understand. So like when you're when you're on your phone and it suggests words while you're texting, that's AI, but that's not generative AI like we're talking about. We're talking about this generative generative AI that can be sort of communicative with you and respond right. to your prompts. Absolutely. And uh to your point, the AI field is vast. Yeah. So, but the generative AI field is vast in that vast. So generative AI is not only words now, but it's images, it's sound, it's video, it's, um, you know, could talk to you with words like on the chat GPT app. I can have a full on conversation with my robot and there are other applications and, and AI, like generative AI models out there that that's their whole point um, is having that interaction. And even one of the fastest growing AI tools was, you know, beyond OpenAI's ChatGPT was uh, character.ai, which you can go to and have conversations with a whole bunch of different personalities. and that's what people wanted. Um, that's what really, really drew them. So when we're talking about generative AI, we're talking about prompting, is typing into a black box to have a conversation like you would text with your friends. Um, but that's even, even that is soon going to be the old school way of working with your AI. Um, they, they say that 2024 is going to be the year of interactive AI where you just you just talk to your AI and it goes off and does stuff for you. Mm-hmm. I believe it. Uh, I think I've said for a while that the the current, quote unquote current, um, <laughs> um, uh, interface, for example, with like a chat GPT or even being AI feels very, very, very pre-internet. You have to know the code in order to interact with the internet. I mean, it just feels very clunky and they're going to sort that out. It's the, you know, all these little friction points to use, or they're going to sort that out. I think the funny thing is, is when it first came out, the reason that there weren't any prompt instruction manuals was because they didn't actually know how to prompt it. They were just like, we made this thing. Yay. Um, and now, like even before this call, uh, because I'm working on my next class, and one of the things I did was go and like start pulling studies. And if you Go and look at the amount of studies that there are simply around what generative AI can do. It's mind blowing. But a lot of those studies are the most effective way to communicate with Gen AI to get what you want out of it. And it's almost like those classes that you take that tell you how to like, you know, meet a man or a woman and have a conversation with them and it teaches you like the flow of the conversation. Um It's that idea, learning how to have a conversation with this totally almost alien, but very close to being human technology, and then 
once they understand that, they can start building in what's called a wrapper or like prompts that are pre-prompting the model so you don't have to work so hard to understand the prompts. It's coming. Right. I mean, they just need to know how to, they just needed to figure out how to talk to it to get the best results. Isn't that interesting that it's, they don't know? <laughs> they created it and they don't know exactly. Like, did you, okay, you guys like, do it. this doesn't seem the most responsible thing to do, but um, yeah, yeah, just put, unleash this on the world. Another uh, facet of that, I'm going to speak as if it's in the future tense. It's not really, because I know this already exists, um, is generative AI models on top of generative AI models. So the models are actually speaking to each other and performing tasks by speaking to each other, not you going to each one of them. And the way I've heard it described by some people in that field is that it's almost like you have an entire corporate team of de or part departments in a corporate team and you set up different AI models or different AI models or, or different departments within the corporation and they all sort of speak to each other about the best way to do some task. And so there's sort of layering of, of generative AI that, you know, we peons like us can't do right now, but that's coming too. And when I say coming, I guess I mean it will become more widely used and available, not that it doesn't exist already. Absolutely. So I think, I can't remember what month it was. Maybe it was August or September. Microsoft released a paper that um, walked through that very idea of using different generative AI models to be different parts of a decision-making system. And at that point, a lot of the challenges that are inherent in a generative AI model being that hallucinations are a feature, not a bug. And a hallucination is when the generative AI model just kind of comes up with an answer that isn't real. So for example, Michael Cohen's attorney recently found out that the cases that he submitted as part of a brief were not actually real cases. Um, and that was because of BARD. Thought that he thought that BARD was like an advanced type of Google search. And what BARD is and what ChatGPT is and what um, being chat is uh, are imagination machines that sit on top of dumb data. And if they don't have access to the data that you're asking for, they will just rely on imagination. And so what happens when you bring together multiple AIs, and this is something, generative AIs is something that I do, and this is something that I know that other people do too, is taking an answer from one generative AI and fact-checking it with another one, you get a better answer, but it's very manual. It's very slow, like you're saying right now. Um, but that's just because I don't know how to program it. Microsoft, I believe, re released the code on GitHub about how to make one. So um, if you wanted to, you could go and make your own. Hopefully someday it comes down to us, like you said, peons, who don't want to go into GitHub and create their own. But this is just, as soon as that becomes more mainstream, then you're going to get your AI agents, which are AI in your machine running around doing things for you that you would need to do yourself manually. And so we see the genesis of that in Copilot, Microsoft Copilot, which was released to general um, general availability November 2023, but you have to 
by 300 licenses to access it, but it's it's the baby AI agent that's going to be inside your computer, know all your business, and be able to go grab things for you that you need for, say, a meeting or to summarize client notes or to, I mean, I even saw an example um, where they pulled in a contract template and just pulled in the copilot and the plugins and Westlaw and had it populate it and then check it for the attorney. And obviously, once again, another another thing people need to know, Gen AI is an 80% machine. You are the 20% that has the brains, the knowledge, the know-how for what that output should look like. So um, you wouldn't you wouldn't trust a first year staff to create documents for you. I would never trust Gen AI to like create the perfect final form of what I do. Similar for me, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it does a good job. I mean, I think for a first draft, oftentimes uh, what generative AI produces is okay. We can work off of it. You know, it maybe gives a framework. The other, the other thing that I think it does a good job of is if you're if you're thinking about okay, I know in this situation there could be say two or three possible issues that I need to consider. Just right off the top of the head, off you know the top of my head, I can I can see these issues. You can actually prompt uh, a generative AI system like a ChatGPT and say, here's the issue I'm working on. Of course, not giving it any sort of confidential information, like you say, anonymized, but, right. uh, you know, give it the, the scenario, give it the setup, let it know what it's supposed to do, tell it what you're thinking. I've got these three ideas, give me, and then you give it some number of, give me some more issues that could, that could occur. It will give you the list. Some of the things on the list will be kind of irrelevant, but every now and then it'll have things on the list that are actually good and you need to think about. And so it kind of helps you, it can help you even in that way, do your tasks sort of talking about, will it take your job? No, it's it will facilitate you doing your job because it can help you think through issues sort of like, I think, sort of like um, if you're in a if you're in a firm and everybody who's ever been in a firm or is in a firm understands this dynamic, the person down the, the hall is working on an issue and what do they do? They stand up, they go into the hallway, they walk down the hallway, they come stand in your doorway and disrupt you and start peppering you with questions because they're just trying to get some feedback. It's kind of like that, except you don't have to pepper a human with all those questions for the feedback. Well, first, I want to know how you know how I ideate because that is exactly <laughs> how I disrupt everyone else is I go around and I'm like, let's think through this. Let's, And they're like, we're, we're actually, we're trying to work. Just so absolutely, I have used it to um, go down those mental rabbit holes of here is the issue. Um, let's think through this. And I don't. So like my framework is I am, you are, I need. So I am a CPA. You are a um, let's everyone loves pricing. So uh, a pricing model bot. I need to think through my pricing model and um, whether there's a better pricing model or arrangement that would work better for my clients. And the next thing that I do then, and this is something that I've developed recently because I have noticed that if you make ChatGPT talk through things, 
it will give you a better response than if you just have it respond, um, quote unquote, off the top of its head. So almost like a toddler when you have them reasoning through why they shouldn't eat cookies for breakfast. Uh, I would then add, please give me a list of things, the most important things I need to think about for this topic. And it will then give me that list. Um, and at that point, I can either just like go down a rabbit hole of what topic is interesting to me, or I can say, what do you need to know from me to give me better answers about this topic? And it'll like create some sort of like these journal prompts for you. And I have found that those journal prompts are also incredibly helpful for when you're trying to just kind of clarify your thoughts about what it is you do and what it is that um, you want to accomplish in this conversation. And then once you've done that, you can go back to having just like this really incredible rich conversation where you're going down these rabbit holes, you're asking for tools, you're asking for um, output. Like you can ask it for frequently asked questions, you you know, to provide to your clients. One thing is that I've done is like, for example, raising fees. So I'm going to raise fees. Give me some things I need to think about for this. Ask me some questions. And then I'm like, what are the top pushback things that clients will say about me raising fees? And it'll give me that. And then I'm like, okay, then please turn this into a frequently asked questions so I can answer those questions before they ask them. And it takes me like 30 seconds to do all of this, right? Whereas before I probably would have had to just think a lot. And procrastinate and put it off. And procrastinate. Did. Yeah. So it's true. Um, I it's, do want to touch the, on. Well, but it's 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 the like it's it's doing the sort of emotional work yeah. that causes you to procrastinate, right? It's like you're just telling it, I, I'm I want to offload this emotional work that is causing me to procrastinate because I'm a human. You do it, you know. And I think it's actually quite good at that. And and when you get done with that conversation, sorry not to disrupt your flow too much here, but no. when you get done with that conversation, you can ask it to summarize it for you and it'll yeah. do it. Yeah, it's, um, you know, the, the I am your, I need questions, uh, summaries, lists, and then remember to use adjectives because adjectives change, just change the total output of, there's a vast difference between fun and interesting versus professional and um, traditional. And even moving words around in your prompts can change the output of the prompts or change the output completely. So I think one of the things that folks struggle with is that when they first start talking to ChatGPT, they get this really weird response that's just weak sauce and it doesn't make it they're struggling with a conversation and they're like, this isn't, this isn't work. And what I just like to let folks know is that you can go up to the top and click an edit button and just change the way that you ask the question and see what sort of response you get then. And as you work through building these conversations, because that's what I think about them now is like conversations. As you work through building these conversations, um, you'll get better and better at knowing where the AI is going to just like take a left turn because it's extremely literal. And we use a lot of idioms in our conversation that it doesn't always get. 
And you can tell it what not to do. So you, you can, can say, don't give me answers that are X, Y, Z. Only give me answers that fit A, B, C. And then have, usually it follows the instructions. I have heard and I have found that it does a better job if you only give it positive instructions and not negative instructions. But it also does a good job if you give it examples of what you want the output to look like. Mm. So if you have a specific way, like, uh, for example, here's an example. Hopefully, hopefully my friend doesn't mind me sharing this. But um, so he created this website that people could sign up for. And then it has an AI assistant, which is one of the ways that you can use ChatGPT or the GPT-4 model, um, respond to emails. And so because I use ChatGPT so much, I can recognize an AI response almost instantly. Um, but the way that he had created the the uh, instructions for the prompts, like how for the model to return the answer was, I don't know if it was like enthusiastic or bubbly or like include a whole bunch of B references, but the first response that I, I received had almost 100% exclamation points and at least four B puns in it. And that was, frankly too much for me but if i was going to suggest to him how to better like tell the machine how to better respond i would tell it tell him to give it examples of how he would respond in those situations so that it will learn from that language and respond that way yeah that's wise <laughs> yeah you can avoid you can avoid a lot of b puns that way let's just say that oh my goodness it, every b pun just kills me a little bit inside um i i do want to talk about ai taking your job because mm -hmm. that comes up a lot and it's i mentioned this in my newsletter recently it's like currently used as a, a playground insult on social media um well i don't have to listen to you because ai is going to take your job soon and what it, I found is fascinating is that um, I, so I'm currently creating a series of courses. I have my 30 days of AI course, but um, I wanted to create a, courses that were more focused on tax and accounting professionals. And one of the challenges that I run into is because AI can do so many things, like so many different kinds of things, it's really hard to uh, group its abilities to be relevant to a specific group. So what I ended up doing was setting it up so that there's this, um, there's a progression kind of similar to the tasks that you would do in a progression in accounting firm. And I know that law firms, you have like associates and then you have partners, like you just kind of go associates, but you don't mess around with like levels and titles and things like that. But uh, yeah. Yes and no. <laughs> they do it in they do it in like these really slick crafty yeah? ways. Yeah, but oh. they still build in those layers, especially in large law firms. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, um for uh, like large accounting firms, you have uh, a staff, a senior, a manager, a senior manager, and a partner. And the tasks that the staff will do are very um they don't require a ton of knowledge but they do require a ton of like, uh, for lack of a better word, just doing stuff, a ton of just very manual doing stuff labor. 
like preparing tax returns, like collecting information, responding to client inquiries, things like that. And so what I ended up doing is focusing this first class on this, like the staff level tasks, because um, AI might not take your job, but it can do your tasks. And when we look at what a staff level would do, here are all the things that AI can do for that person. But you, you like maybe you're a firm owner, you still want to know how to do these things because it like the knowledge builds on itself. So I was on a, this is, this is to speak to attorneys. I was on a plane coming back from Orlando. Um, and when, and I was, I had presented at a conference about Gen AI and tax professionals. Um, and so this woman sitting next to me got to see my presentation again, because whenever I do a presentation, I, I always have to do it for everybody in the airport. And it turns out she was a legal coordinator for an engineering firm. And um, I was like, this is actually perfect because I have found that legal coordinators and paralegals have a ton of use cases for Gen AI. And not even just in the sense of like generating legal documents, but in the sense of um, summarizing meeting notes, um, coordinating attorneys and letting attorneys know what they need to know. Because from what I understand, legal coordinators and paralegals kind of are the outside brains of attorneys. Is that right? They wrangle, they wrangle y'all? Can be. Y'all and, yes. okay. If All they're, right. it's, it's like, um, although I don't think it's terribly different for partners in accounting firms. It's like, you need somebody who makes you do the work. Yes. And the good ones do a great job of being that person. Yes. And so, uh, Gen AI, perfect for that because there is a lot of communication that has to go on in making somebody else do the work. There's a lot of wrangling. And so Gen AI can help with the communication aspects and it can also help with the um, the, the wrangling in, in different ways and the coordinating and the project planning. And so like if I was to create a class for the law profession, I wouldn't focus on the partners because oftentimes um, like they're probably not going to be super excited about using Gen AI to craft uh, to craft documents. Or if they are, they're just going to use it for a framework and then they're going to fill in their own stuff. But usually they're in the meetings, they're presenting in court, they're meeting with clients. What I would, how I would create the class, it would be for the people who have to go and get um, information from different jurisdictions, like being chat such a wonderful robot to send out and grab documents from different courts. Um, it can summarize like the rules for different courts and put it into a nice table format, um, things like that. I would create that class for like legal coordinators, legal secretaries, and paralegals because they would get the most benefit out of it. But I also want to say, because I had someone come up to me after my last presentation and say, oh, dang, I just hired a new admin and I didn't need to. Um, you want your administrative staff and your paralegals and your paraprofessionals to be the one wrangling the software and this technology. 
because otherwise you have to learn exactly what they do in order to know if the output is correct. Do you want to spend that time? No, you do not. You want them to know how to use it so that their job is easier, they make your job easier, and everybody's happy. And there's there are a lot of use cases for that in my experience. So let me give you two of them. One is, we already kind of talked about this, but one would be coming up with checklists, sort of due diligence checklists, where you're right, somebody like a paralegal or an admin needs to get information that might be relevant to what you're doing. And generative AI can be very handy for them to come up with a, a good checklist to work off of that you, the practitioner, didn't have to create. So it saves you time, right? Yep. And then the second one is, in my experience, there are many people who don't know how to write professionally. Mm-hmm. They don't know the cadence and the structure of writing professionally. And you can prompt, I mean, you can write it however you want and then just prompt generative AI, assuming you don't have uh, confidential information in there, but you can prompt a, a generative AI to rewrite it in a professional way. Like you're saying, you can just describe the type of writing output you're looking for, it'll give it to you. And so it can help those those people doing administrative tasks or doing paralegal type tasks also learn how to write and communicate properly when they don't really know how to do it. It's not something you learn in school and you just kind of have to pick it up on the job sometimes, but that can be a huge way to to push them over the, the learning curve. Absolutely. I will also say, and this is not um, this is not a dunk on attorneys, but uh, <laughs> oh, could might, be careful. It Tread might lightly. be a little bit. It might be. I have noticed that attorneys are very used to writing stuff, and so when I receive an email from an attorney, nine times out of ten, there are maybe 300% more words than needs to be in that document to convey a message. And I'm not 100% sure which part of that message I should care about. So, and I also have Bing Chat Enterprise, which is available for $5 a month, um, which which keeps all of my data inside my organization. It doesn't go out. It's it's all private. Um, So I can take those emails, dump it into Bing Chat Enterprise, have it extract the most relevant bits for me. And then have a crafty response. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if I'm learning anything. I could learn things, but maybe I'm getting lazier. But I also don't know that um, I think in the sense of effective communication, if we're looking at the very basic reason that we communicate is to get ideas across. So if we need to leverage generative AI because text like communication in text often misses some vital key emotional aspects or it misses some information. If we need to use generative AI to improve communication between two people so that they both understand what the message is, I think that that's, you know, far more important than me being super good at writing stuff. I agree. And it's I think you've hit on something that's really important on the topic of will generative AI get rid of your job? And that is generative AI is not going to eliminate human communication. And in the end, human communication is sort of everything. It underpins 
it underpins everything that we do and every job that we do. And you're not going to just get rid of that. People still need to communicate with one another. It's going to facilitate it for sure. Uh, it can improve it, absolutely, but it's not going to eliminate it. And you still need a human there to receive the information and to give the information in that communicative absolutely. fashion. Absolutely. I think um, one of the things that I saw was, and I can't remember who said it, the idea that being the smartest person in the room is no longer going to be uh, a selling point. And to that, I would add on. The skills around emotional intelligence and relationships, because we now have access to this vast array of knowledge that can just explain it to us in a very simple sense. So having emotional intelligence and relationship building skills are going to become more vital than ever to maintaining our relationships with clients, because even if Gen AI could do your job, like even if Gen AI progresses to the point where uh, a human being puts in numbers into uh, ChatGPT and is like, make me a tax return, that's not technically what my job is. That is, you know, a task that is a service offering. But people don't come to me because I put numbers in boxes. They come to me and they pay me because I listen to them and I empathize with them and I problem solve with them. And they want to know that there's a human on their side helping them out through these tricky tax and life problems. Yep. Could not agree more with that. I, I like to tell people that oftentimes the actual doing of the legal work is the smallest portion of the time that I spent. Yeah, it's all of the the conversations and, as you say, empathizing and understanding and working through issues and teasing out goals and hopes and aspirations. All of that takes the time. The doing of the legal work for us is, you know, that's like the frankly, that's the easy part because that is a controlled environment. Right. Dealing with the really humans. Only, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In in the uncontrolled environment of human beings, that's what takes all the time. Oh, absolutely. I actually honestly think that um, I think that Gen AI will help with the uncontrolled environment of human beings, too. Although human beings will always be human beings. And especially when it comes to money, they will always make non-rational decisions through either security or uh, prestige. I mean, just very human. But one of the challenges that my profession runs into, and I'm going to guess your profession runs into it as well, is that gap between the word stuff coming out of our mouths and the understanding stuff going into our clients' brains. And at least for the tax profession, that has increased exponentially with all of the changes under TCJA, you know, and then we go through secure and then we go through like all of the COVID changes, there is a just a ton of tax law that impacts regular people that they don't even know is there, and um, it it like it kills a little bit of like the traditional boring accountant in me to say that, but we're working against TikTok, so why don't we think about adopting the same um, 
ways of getting to our clients and educating our clients as TikTok, as social media. We can leverage Gen AI to do that. So we're educating our clients, which makes our relationships better with our clients. And it makes working together on these projects go so much more seamlessly. Yes, indeed. Uh, it's a good, and it's a really good example, I think, TikTok in terms of frameworks of communications and then the existence of professions like ours that have this very technical side to it, but then this very human side to it that actually is the thing that drives the profession much more than the technical side. Right. And that it's that communication piece between the two that can be a really big challenge. And people today tend to consume information in small bits. That's, I mean, that's why TikTok is so popular. Yep. the most plus it has funny things on there so people like funny things um i've been i've personally i've been thinking a lot about that and and one of the projects that i'm working on for my clients is to take the ways that i communicate um some of the planning that we do which is usually like we have like pictures and some charts to try to change the pictures and charts to be more uh, appealing more visually mm-hmm. appealing to create uh, simple summaries, a la what ChatGPT might say, you know, we might feed it some information. Yeah. Here's what we think. Give me a very simplified version of this so yeah. I can communicate it easily. And then maybe even creating very short, almost TikTok-like video content to go yeah. along with all of that to just try to just try to communicate with humans in an effective way. And then, of course, leveraging what AI can do to help us to make that effective. And that's more where I I find this area, especially in the in terms of like AI, really exciting because I, I don't see it killing the professions. I see it actually making them better and just making us better and more aware of, oh, I really should do this in a in this smarter way, not just the dumb way that I've learned how to do it, which is my habit and maybe isn't the best way. I, I do think it clears like all of the um, I, I feel like we have built or maybe it's just been built over time, like kind of a distance between ourselves and our clients. But we're really a client service. We're really client service professionals. And mm-hmm. um, being in that space and supporting our clients in effective ways, Gen AI is going to clear out all the junk, clear out all the noise and let us do that. So um, I, I'm just I'm also very excited for the, the like what's coming up in the future. Yeah. And when it doesn't take very long to do a task and everybody out there thinking, well, how will I bill for that? The answer is not by the hour. Not by the hour. No, you'll bill it a different way, but it won't be by the hour. Think about how great that will be. I mean, I don't know what I would do with my time if I couldn't evaluate whether I'm doing good without billing by the hour, but it'll be fine. (laughs) I'll just I'll have a discussion with ChatGPT about it. Yeah, you'll work it through with ChatGPT, I'm sure. Don't worry. Ashley, uh, Obviously, this is a topic way more vast than we have time to cover today, but thank you so much for doing this. Oh, absolutely. I I love talking about this, so I'm sure if you invite me back, I'll come back and talk about it some more, for sure. Fair enough. You're warned. If, uh, if people are trying to reach you, what's their best way to do that? It really honestly depends on why they're trying to reach me. So um, I do have a website called kta.ai and if you're looking for my newsletter where i talk about um like ai things and microsoft 
365 things and automation things. You can go there. I have a couple classes. Um, and then I, I technically am a CPA that provides you know services to high net worth and um, trust and estates. So that is the Francis Group, S-E-A, as in Seattle, uh, dot com. Okay. Yeah, I, maybe I should have uh, introduced you with your actual CV before we jumped into this. Ashley knows a lot about AI and the Microsoft stuff, but she's also an, a very accomplished technical accountant. I don't even know well. what I am anymore. It's like I think that I'm. I think that I am. I am. Be, I'm. I'm starting into that world where a lot of the rest of us are going to be. Where, yeah, it's cool that we're technical, um, but we're also bridging this gap between technical knowledge and being like using technical tools. Mm -hmm. And I think we're, I think we're all going to kind of start being that way. Uh, I agree once again. Well, thank you, Ashley. Your, your time is precious and I'm really glad you shared some of it with me. Yeah. Thanks, Brent. Hey listeners. Thanks again for joining me on the podcast. It's fun to do it for you. If you're enjoying it, please subscribe at Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to my blog at wealthandlaw.com and follow me on social media at wealthandlaw. I'll see you there.